Well, good morning, everyone. Great to see you. Great to hear your voices uh, worshiping together. Uh, so good. And, and if you're online at home or wherever you are, um, I, I know that you're singing along, worshiping along with us. And great to have you here as well. And uh, listen, uh, just yesterday, um, I talked to Pastor Sergio, who is down in Playa del Carmen, as we've shared in the past weeks. Uh, many of you helped uh, financially to get our, our team of three down uh, to Playa del Carmen to help our missionaries, Joel and Veronica Adiola, um, who are pastoring the Casa de Fe Church there. And the team has done great. Uh, in fact, Jasmine has been busy capturing video and pictures of things that are happening. And next week, we're going to get a great report from Sergio and the team about what uh, God has done there. But thank you. But right now, Pastor Sergio is preaching in uh, English and in Spanish at the Casa de Fe Church. And uh, they may be wrapping up their first service and getting ready for their second service. He's got to preach bilingually today. Let's pray for Pastor Sergio right now and our sister church in uh, Playa del Carmen. God, we thank you that, Father, even as we are gathered here in Santa Maria, that, God, you are active all over the world. But right now, we pray particularly, Lord, for our brothers and sisters. Lord, getting ministry, Lord, in both English and Spanish at the Casa de Fe Church, the house of faith. So, Lord, as we've just even been singing, let faith arise. Lord Jesus, not only in our hearts, but right there today, bless Pastor Sergio as he ministers Father, let there just be these miracle gifts that we've been talking about, and I know he's also going to be talking about in Playa del Carmen today. In Jesus' name, bless them, even as you would bless us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless the Lord. Hey, well, thank you, church, um, and uh, make sure you're here next week to hear from uh, Pastor Sergio as he brings a report. So, we've been in these conversations over the past weeks about God rekindling something in our own souls, about rekindling an expectation that God would work powerfully in our lives and through our lives. And so we're gonna continue in that today, and I wanna take us back to really the very first group of people that got to experience that power of God moving in their lives and through their lives. Last week, I'd shared a bit from Peter, the Apostle Peter. Uh, you know, he was just a follower of Jesus and became this uh, apostle. And in his very first, like, debut preaching opportunity, it was right after the, the power of God had been poured out on him. The Holy Spirit had filled these disciples and empowered them. And so this crowd was gathering in Jerusalem. Like, what's going on? And so it says that, that he stands up, Peter stands up, and he preached to this, this crowd of people, shares with them about Jesus, and it says that three thousand of them put their faith in Jesus that day. I mean, that's like some revival, right, breaking out. 3,000 people. But what happened to those people right after they said yes to Jesus? 
They said, yes, we, we want to receive of, of his grace and forgiveness. And man, we understand now that what he did when he went to the cross was for us, for our forgiveness, for our salvation. We want that. So these thousands of people now went from just like, you know, a hundred and some to now thousands. What happened in their lives as they joined together to follow Jesus together and form that very first church. What happened? Well, we have a description, and it's right after that. It's, it's at the end of Acts chapter 2, and I want you to follow along with me. We're going to put it up on the screen for you. Here we go. It says, all the believers. Now, these are the brand new believers. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Wow. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Quite a description of what was going on when these people gave their lives over to Jesus and then formed this community of faith. But did you notice Right there in the middle of this passage was this phrase, this, this unique little description where it says, a deep sense of awe came over them all. This deep sense of awe. See, they realize that something different is going on here. There is something special, something unique, something like I've lived life before. I mean, these people were just regular workaday people, you know? They, these were folks that, that literally were just like you and me, living their lives, going through stuff. But then all of a sudden, this new thing like exploded in their, their lives, in their situation, and they realized something unique, something special is going on here. They could feel it. They were experiencing it. We are in the middle of something beautiful and powerful, something that has been touched by God that we've never experienced before. But I want you to realize that they were filled with awe right in the middle of their regular, normal lives, right, filled with all kinds of the same kind of problems that we encounter in our own. I mean, you know, challenges at work, right? Money problems, 
still going on, relational difficulties, things that they had to deal with in their families, right, every day from noisy children, right, to aging parents, and how do we take care of the generations, all of the normal stuff in life that we have to deal with, they were also dealing with that. That was not somehow suspended, but in the middle of their normal, everyday, sometimes problematic lives, God showed up and they were filled with this deep sense of awe. Wow, I'm experiencing something deep, something incredible, something supernatural. So I wanna ask you a question, is that what people say when they encounter you? <laughs> Do they say, wow, Hunter is awe-inspiring? Like when I get in touch with the Perales family, wow, I am so awe-inspiring. Or when they encounter us, do they say, no, they're just part of the problems of my everyday life? You know, it's like, are we part of the problem or are we part of the, the awe, the awe-inspiring presence of God that they bump into? Listen, when people interact here with us at the Santa Maria Foursquare Church, whether it's someone's first time here, and that may be some of you, or whether it's your thousandth time here, our desire is the same. And that is that you would have an encounter with the living God. That's our, our desire. That is our ambition. Everything that we do is to help ensure that you have an encounter with God. Not that you think that something's cool or, ooh, I like those lights, or, man, that's really nice. That, that's all fine. But that is only there to support you having an encounter with the living God. And I don't care when that happens. That might happen when you walk in and you just get greeted by a friendly face or smile, even if it's behind a mask for another week or so. It may happen during worship. It may happen like this time when you know, like we're unpacking and studying scripture together. Maybe there's that encounter that happens when you have that revelation from God that just opens up your mind, opens up your spirit. Maybe it happens down here at the altar after service when someone's praying for you. Maybe it happens when you step out into ministry with our children, and that's coming up pretty soon again. Maybe it happens just when you're having a conversation with someone over coffee and donuts. I don't know when that encounter with God may happen, but our desire, what we pray for and what we work toward is that every person would have that encounter with the living God when they come and participate with us here or online. But beyond just gathering as the church and wanting to see that kind of miracle power kind of break out, how much more when we leave 
this room. When we leave this campus and you and I just individually go out, and instead of gathering as the church, now we are being the church. Should there be any less expectation that when we bump into people, they have awe-inspiring encounters with the living God because they bumped in to you and to me? How does that happen? How does that take place? Well, I think that right in the story that, that we read of that first early church, there were a couple of things going on in kind of in combination that I think are present in the lives of awe-inspiring people or an awe-inspiring church where people encounter the living God. In this description, we see a couple of different things beyond the fact that it says that they were devoted to God and each other. I mean, that was really powerful. But in addition to their just strong devotion to, to God and each other, two things were going on in combination that I believe made them these awe-inspiring followers of Jesus. God's power and God's love. God's power and God's love. These two things in combination, I believe, set them apart from the culture that they were embedded in. It set them apart from their neighbors. It set them apart even from the synagogue from which they had been participating probably all of their lives. Something unique and special, something supernatural was going on. And I believe it had to do with God's power in combination with God's love. First, let's talk about God's power. We read, it says, the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. There was just this like normal like expectation that stuff's gonna be happening here that, well, that we've never seen before. Something that kind of like suspends or goes beyond like the natural laws of nature. But because we believe that God is the author of those laws, anytime that God wants to, he can just step in and say, I'm gonna do something unique and special and powerful here to demonstrate my love and my power. So I'm gonna heal someone. I'm gonna set them free. And when we read through the book of Acts, we see all kinds of beautiful, miraculous stories going on. And it was just the natural part of what was happening. They, they were witnesses of and participants in the power of God. Over these past weeks, we've been asking God to rekindle the expectation that that would be happening in and through our lives. But I want to ask you, and maybe, maybe you wonder, like, what is the big deal about miracles? I mean, can't we just like be rational followers of Jesus? Good teaching, happy people, good people. But like, really the miracles, what is the big deal about miracles? Well, listen, I believe that miracles should be important to followers of Jesus because they were important to Jesus. 
in his excellent book called The Problem of Jesus, which you might want to pick up and and dig into, author and pastor Mark Clark writes this about miracles. He says, in no other major religion besides Christianity do miracles occupy so central a role. Nor do the founders of any major religion outside of Christianity have miracles attributed to them in their earliest and most fundamental documents. And those documents, we find, are the Gospels, right? The first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that are like these four different descriptions of the life of Jesus. It's like we get the life of Jesus from four different vantage points. And in those four Gospels, we get to read the descriptions of 31 different miracles of Jesus, I mean, in like vivid description, sometimes with the people's names attached to those, which was really important because when those were written, people could like say, oh, I think I know somebody who lived in that town. Did that really happen? I mean, like they used like real places and real names and real stories because when those gospels came out, people go, yeah, that happened in my town. These things like would have been refuted really quickly had they not been accurate. And even like non-religious historians, Josephus was one of the primary ones. He even wrote about the miracle workings of this man named Jesus. Like it was a known thing. 31 different miracles. Six of them were what we call exorcisms. Like where Jesus like kicked the demons right out of people. Pretty awesome. 17 of those 31 miracles were healings, and three of those 17 were actually raising people from the dead. Jesus wasn't the first one to be raised from the dead. There was some in the Old Testament, and Jesus rose three people from the dead in the Gospels. We read those accounts. And then in addition, there was eight nature miracles. Like when we read about Jesus walking on the water, or turning water into wine. It was eight like this incredible nature miracles. But listen, these miracles did more than just help kind of the relatively few people who were directly impacted by them. Like even when Jesus did something crazy, amazing, and beautiful and powerful, you know, healing a crippled person, restoring sight to a blind person, raising someone from the dead, those were like, I mean, we just gotta say, just amazing displays of the power of God. But they didn't like change the world. They, 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 you know, they impacted that person's world big time. But like, what did it do beyond that individual? Because Jesus didn't solve all the problems of the world through just healing some random individuals. Something more was going on of why Jesus was stopping to display his power in this miracle form. Mark Clark goes on to say this in his book. He says, the purpose of miracles was to authenticate the message of the gospel and to bear witness to the fact that the reign of God, meaning like God's now 
in charge in a whole new way. The reign of God was dawning in a new and special way. God's rule was now breaking through the clouds of sin and death and birthing a new world right there and then in the presence of Jesus, all to bring glory to God. Woo! That's why these miracles are so important. It's not that we can just say, wow, cool, somebody that was blind 2,000 years ago, man, they got their sight back. What does that have to do with me? It is a demonstration of God's power that authenticates the message of the good news of the gospel of Jesus. But as we've been talking about over the past weeks, God's miracle-working power was not just relegated to Jesus or even those like apostle-type special leaders that began those first churches. Jesus talked about this. In fact, before he returned to heaven, there's a couple of the Gospels record what we refer to as the Great Commission. Oftentimes, we read that at the end of Matthew, but I want you to see it, part of it here, that is recorded at the end of the Gospel of Mark. Right before Jesus returns to heaven, he's talking to his disciples, and it says in Mark 16, verse 15 through 18, he says, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That's why we call it the great commission. He is commissioning his followers, right? He's anointing them and saying, now you go. I came, now you go. But then he goes on and says, and these signs, what do signs do? They point to something else. Just like Jesus' miracles pointed to his authority and the power of the gospel, like there was this authentication of the good news of the gospel. These are signs, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Listen, God's powerful, miraculous works are to be the expectation for all who put their trust in Jesus. And listen, if you grew up in some faith tradition that didn't lend credence to that, didn't talk about that, who didn't cultivate within you the expectation for God's power to like be able to just flow through you because God is within you and wants to minister to you. All I have to say, no, no shade on that, but let me say, welcome to a scriptural understanding of what it means to follow Jesus and to be part of his community, to be part of his family. You are now commissioned to go and to work in power in his name, to pray for that miraculous breakthrough. And listen, we could go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 
through 14 where the Apostle Paul breaks down all of these kind of gifts that God may give you. Do you realize that just in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there is over a dozen different ways that the Apostle Paul is telling the church, hey, God may show up in your life in all kinds of beautiful and powerful and strong ways. This is just to be expected. Let me just read you the list. Listen to this. He may show up and give you a gift of wisdom. This powerful, a miraculous wisdom, not your own wisdom, may give you a gift of knowledge or of faith, of healing. It says of miraculous powers, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation of tongues, apostolic giftings, which is kind of to go out there and start stuff in Jesus' name, like start new churches, start new ministries, all of that. Teaching. God may gift you to teach better than I do. I would love that. Please receive that power gift of teaching. And I love these last two, of helping. And, and my wife loves this one, and of administration. Like power gifts that you receive, not just in the natural way, but these, the Holy Spirit's power being demonstrated through you, in you and through you. Man, this morning I bumped into Bill Robeson, and I've got to say, he has that power gift of helping. This man is a helper. He cut, what, hey, pastor, whatever you need, what can I do? Like, what do you, you need me to learn the soundboard? I'll learn the soundboard. You need me to be out there and be a greeter? To say, I'll, I'll be a greeter. You need me to show up and help, I don't know, help Mr. Mel, you know, clean the grounds? Bill is just available and has been empowered by God. It's a gift that he has, this power demonstration. Other people, different gifts, because we're all unique. So we shouldn't expect that we all would have like the same gifts and operations, but they come out beautifully, but they're all representations of the power of God working through us. To live as awe-inspiring followers of Jesus and to be as awe-inspiring church, there should be this ongoing expectation that God's power is going to move in us and through us. But that's not all. That's not all that was going on in that story that was not only the power of God being demonstrated, but there was also the love of God being demonstrated. Sometimes I think we can get this wrong, church. Because sometimes I think is either individually or as a church, we can like we can get so caught up in seeking, we need the power of God. And we do. I just talked about it for 20 minutes. Right? I mean, like, it's real. It was in Jesus' life, and the expectation it should be showing up in our lives. But if we forget the power of God's love being demonstrated in our lives and through our lives, I think we miss it. And man, was it showing up in that first church in some big, big ways. But I want you to listen to the words of Jesus. Because listen to what he said. It's captured 
in that gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, when he said, now I am giving you a new commandment. Now, the people he spoke to, guess what? They had a lot of commandments. In fact, scholars tell us that in the Old Testament, which was their scripture that they had at that point, says there were 613 different commandments, things that they grew up saying, well, man, if I don't do that, I'm in trouble with God. But Jesus came and said, I'm giving you a new one. Get ready. Love each other. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The proof. He he didn't say the power, he said the love. Now, does that discount the power? No, it doesn't. Because guess what? There are two sides to the coin. We can like walk and chew gum at the same time. We can operate in God's power without missing out on being loving in Jesus' name. And did you hear what he said? He said, just as I have loved you, love each other. Frank's up here saying good, right? Until we start to unpack what that really means. Because you know what? Jesus loved fully. He loved not just with word, but in deed. All the way to where he laid down his life for all of us. That's how we know what real love is, John writes in 1 John chapter 3. That's how we know what real love is. That Jesus gave and he gave, and he gave. He said, just as I have loved you, that's how I want you to love each other. And he said something also that was just amazing. This love is going to prove to the world that what you have is real. What you have is genuine. This is not an ordinary love This is not a natural love that like we have as husbands and wives or that we have for our children, right? This is something supernatural. And we see it demonstrated in that story from Acts chapter two of this first church. One, it says that they spent time together every day. I mean, they loved each other so much. It's like, man, we just, we just want to hang out, not only worshiping in the temple. In other words, they didn't just come to church. It says they invited each other. This is pretty radical, folks. Into their homes. Like, they went from people who were just probably like a lot of us, who were just like, this is my home, shut the door, lock it zip into our garage, hit the button, close the door behind us. This is my little castle. And there is a moat with crocodiles, sharks and piranhas that we put around our home. Because this is our home. This is my home. This is not for you. This is for me. Somehow God's love impacted them so much that there was this powerful love 
that said, oh, come on in. Come and sit at my table. Come and share my meal. Come and share your story. And let's talk together about the goodness of Jesus that has made this awe-inspiring life possible. Second thing, it says their love was so deep that they shared everything that they had. You need a shirt? Here you go. I won't do that. Won't demonstrate that. (laughs) But what do you need? Hey, you know what? I have that. I'm going to share what I have with you. Is it a skill? Is it a talent? (laughs) Do you need need to lay a little bit of concrete at your place? I know how to do that. (laughs) Because someone showed me once. (laughs) I don't really. I just saw it happen once. (laughs) Because someone blessed me with that gift. But they shared everything that they had. And then, number three, it went even further to this place of radical generosity where it says that they sold their property and their possessions to help meet needs that they couldn't do just on their own by sharing. It's like, no, this is a big deal. One of the guys, his name, we see him showing up in the rest of the New Testament named Barnabas, said one day he went and sold a field and brought it to the apostles so that they would just have this ability to just be generous. Radical, powerful, supernatural love demonstrated through their lives. And guess what? It is the same Holy Spirit that empowers all of that miracle stuff that we were talking about, right? Prophecy and tongues and healing and kicking out demons, all that kind of stuff. The same Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that empowers that miracle working in our lives and through our lives is the same one who empowers this supernatural, powerful love. It's that when we read that the gifts of the Spirit, or the fruit of the Spirit, I should say, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. It starts out with this phrase in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then it goes on there with some other beautiful descriptions and other fruit. But some people have said all that other fruit is just kind of amplifying and telling us more about this gift. And it's, it's this fruit of love. In other words, when the Holy Spirit comes in power in our lives, he enables love to be pouring out like we never have had before. It is supernatural. It is the power of God accompanied with this powerful love from God that I believe makes us able to be awe-inspiring followers of Jesus and as we gather, have this awe-inspiring church community that people can't stay away from. I want to finish with this because it's this combination again of God's power and his love. I just want to show you, draw your attention to something. It's, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And if you've been to a wedding in the past many years, 
very likely you've heard quoted something from 1 Corinthians 13, because it's the love chapter. But it's embedded, chapter 13 is embedded between chapter 12 and chapter 14. When Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth, there were no chapter markers. It didn't, he didn't put in chapters and verses. That was our, somebody came along afterwards and helped us so we could find stuff quick. He was just writing a letter. And he's talking in these three chapters, though, about the power of God. All of those gifts of the Spirit that we referenced a moment ago, that's all, we'll find that in chapter 12. Then he comes back in chapter 14 and says, hey, you got to know something here. There's more you need to know about the operation of these gifts so you don't get it wrong, so you don't hurt people, you don't confuse people in operating these power gifts. You can go home and read that. But right in the middle of talking about the power of God, it's like he pauses because he can sense that, uh uh-oh, if people just run with the power but they don't get love, there's gonna be something broken in their lives. They will not be representing Jesus well Instead of inspiring awe, you're going to inspire conflict, frustration. It's going to be way more challenging than you think to help share the good news of Jesus if you don't get this. And so he pauses in the middle of talking about the power of God, and he says this. It's the first three verses of 1 Corinthians 13. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, in other words, if I'm using these power gifts that I just talked about, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong. See that? Noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have a prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love I am nothing if I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love I gain nothing. Paul is saying here that we can have all the power that God would give, all that miraculous breakthrough power, but check out what he says. Literally, that we will be noisy nothings. Noisy nothings. Noisy like Gongs and cymbals, boom, bam, what? And that we will be in the sight of God and in the sight of other people, we're going to be nothing. And then he goes on to say, by the way, you think you're going to be gaining something by doing all that? And he says, yeah, you're going to gain nothing. Without love, we become noisy nothings. Because these two things, the power of God and the love of God must be in operation together if we are to be like that awe 
inspiring church. And then when people bump into our lives at home, <coughs> in our neighborhoods, in our places of work, if they're going to encounter something that inspires the awe of the living God, I believe that what's going to set us apart is that we have this rekindled expectation for both the power of God and his powerful love flowing through us. We're going to pray in just a moment. Just a moment. We're going to open up the altars. In fact, Pastor Lisa and the ministry team, if you just want to get yourselves ready, as we do each week, just to open up the opportunity for you to come and receive prayer, whatever you need. Because we have the expectation that God will show up powerfully in your story. No matter what the need is. Whether it's relational, financial, physical, mental, whatever it is. We want to pray for God's breakthrough power in your life and your story. But I'll tell you what, I believe that we also need to have rekindled within us this expectation of the love of God that will flow through our lives. Someone here today, you've been really hurt. You've been really hurt, and my sense is, I think kind of what the Holy Spirit's been speaking to my heart this morning, somebody here has been really hurt, and the hurt specifically came from a very angry father. Very, very angry father. And you felt some of the wrath of that angry father poured out on your life. And it's very it's been very challenging you to even conceive that Father God loves you. And you feel that your life is stuck because you feel that you are repeating that anger that came from that father into your own life and like, I don't even know how to break free from the anger that I am now showing to other people around me. I believe that God wants to heal your heart today. Maybe it's somebody that's right here that I'm speaking to. Maybe it's somebody that's online, but I want to pray right now for you to receive the love of God so that it would even become possible that you would be able to powerfully demonstrate the love of God to others in your life and in your situation. We just pray. God, thank you. Lord, thank you, Lord, that you told us that we could expect your power <laughs> to show up in our stories and to actually show up as we would minister in your name. We're beginning to have that rekindled within us, Lord. Help us in our unbelief. But God, you also told us that we were gonna be able to love others even as you loved us. But Lord, I pray for whatever, Lord, may be blocking that love, that full, throttled, miraculous love. Lord, I pray for whatever is blocking that, Lord, to be released today. God, and for those who bear the scars in their own hearts of angry fathers, Lord, I pray for healing right now. That Jesus, 
Lord, that your love would be poured out. Kind of like oil, like just that warm oil is like being poured over a wound. Lord, that would just bring soothing and healing and grace and ministry, Lord, to those memories. Long ago, the hurts experienced long ago, but that still replay in heart and mind. Lord, miraculously break through those today in Jesus' name. Listen, and if you've never responded ever just to that first call of love that Jesus offered up on the cross to you and to me, that offer of forgiveness, that offer that the sin in your life, you don't have to carry it anymore. (laughs) He died. He went to the cross in love to break the power of sin and destruction in your life and in your story. And you can just today say yes, 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 I receive of that. I receive of his forgiveness. I want to turn from my old life of brokenness and sin and turn to him, the lover of my soul and the one who paid it all so that I could walk in freedom and forgiveness. And if that's you today, man, if you wanted to say yes to Jesus and to his grace in your life, just throw your hand up and say, that's me, pastor. I wanna like, receive of his love right now. Yeah, guys, I say yeah, both of you. If there's anybody in the courtyard, man, you can just wave and just say, that's me. But yes, I wanna pray. And anybody online, anybody online, I'm praying for you as well. God sees your heart right now that's reaching out to him, saying yes to him. Jesus, do the miraculous. Lord, where there's, those people have been dead in their own sin and brokenness, but Lord, you bring new life. And I just thank you, Lord, for new life. Lord, your words is that we could be born again, all over again, born fresh in you. And Lord, I thank you that that's happening right now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, we're gonna just open up the altar. Anybody who wants to come and receive prayer for breakthrough in your story, in your life, Those who said yes to Jesus, I would love for you guys to come up too and receive prayer. Anybody that's out in the courtyard that wants to come in. And if you're online and want to say yes to Jesus, just go right onto our website, sm4.org. You're going to find a contact page there where you can just drop us a note and say, I'm saying yes to Jesus. We want to help you with some material that's going to like set you on a course of continuing to say yes to him. We're going to see you again next week. And ladies, don't forget this Friday night, the first time the gathering happening of our Be Empowered Women's Ministry. It's gonna be right in the sanctuary here, 6.30, Friday night. Hope many of you can come and join Pastor Lisa. It's gonna be a great time together. But for all the rest, we'll see you again next Sunday morning. Church, you're loved. Go in power, go in love.